today wouldn't happen without you. And so I'm so thankful that you're here today uh, for the drive-in service. Uh, we want to celebrate Mother's Day today. We're so excited. And so uh, first and foremost, happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you that are mothers uh, in, the, in the crowd today, or maybe you're watching online. And uh, we just want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And uh, especially because the last two months have been a little crazy. Amen? I mean, it's kind of been crazy the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and so I'm thankful that we can gather together today. I'm thankful that we can celebrate, especially uh, on this day, on Mother's Day. And so if you're, again, uh, a mother today, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, our, our, our team put together gift bags for all the moms. And so if you did not get a gift bag, uh, when we get done today, stick around because we want to make sure you got a gift bag uh, there's coffee, which is always a good thing. There's some sweet treats in the bag. There's also a gift card uh, to Angels Island uh, for, uh, for another coffee because who can have too much coffee? And so uh, we put that together for you. If you didn't get one, when we get done today, stick around. We'll make sure our, our team gets you one of those gift bags. And we're so thankful that you're here today. If you're streaming, you don't get a gift bag. And so I'm sorry, uh, but, but come see us and maybe we can make it up to you. And so you know, Mother's Day is a special day, and, I, and again, man, what a special day to celebrate. I know uh, today we have some people that are literally uh, first-time moms, literally, like within the last few few weeks. Uh, I know uh, Chris and Mia and uh, baby Juby are here, and so we're super excited for them, honking in the back. I love it. Uh, Mandy and Justin Bedwell had uh, their baby uh, just a couple of days ago, baby David, and so we're so excited for Mandy uh, today celebrating Mother's Day as well. And so, listen, we, we have grandmothers here, we have great-grandmothers here, and uh, listen, we're so glad that you're here. We always make a big deal about Mother's Day, and uh, we also know that Mother's Day can be difficult, and uh, this year may be the first year that, that you're experiencing Mother Day, Mother's Day without your mom. Uh, maybe she's passed on, and, uh, and our heart goes out to you, our prayers go uh, towards you today, because it can be a difficult day, and uh, maybe it's the first year or many years that you've experienced that, and, and we want you to know that we've been praying for you this week we know it can also be a, a very tough uh, holiday uh, as well. And, and we also want to celebrate those that are spiritual mothers. You know, the Bible teaches us uh, that, that women teach other women, and they're to mother them in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so it's a great opportunity for those of you that are ladies. Maybe you don't have, uh, maybe you're not married, or maybe you don't have children yet, but you've discipled other people. You've won other people to Christ. Uh, you're, you're a spiritual mother. And, and we thank you so much for your service to the Lord. We thank you that you love the Lord enough to, to spiritually invest in the lives of other ladies. And that's a tremendous blessing uh, for the kingdom of God. And so thank you so much uh, for doing that. If you got a Bible this morning, Acts chapter 16, we're going to be looking at the life of Lydia. And let me just say for those of you in attendance and also those that are streaming this morning, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, Community Fellowship Baptist Church, uh, there is a link to... Uh, a set of digital notes on Uversion, on the Uversion app. And so uh, if you want to follow along, you can actually go to the Facebook page, click the link uh, for the sermon notes, and it'll take you right to Uversion. And you can follow along in the message on your phone or on your tablet. Uh, hopefully you got a Bible and maybe you can just follow along with that as well. But in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is, is in his second missionary journey. And as he's going through these different areas to preach the gospel, the Bible tells us in Acts 16, verses 6 to 8, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and through the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, 
And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. In verse, verse 9, the Bible says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. This is a completely different region from which Paul was ministering in. In this vision, there was a man of Macedonia, and this man prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And so, and so I just want to set the story up by saying that the Apostle Paul was preaching in an area. He wanted to go further into Asia. The Spirit of God stopped him and said, No, you're not going to go that way. And you may ask the question, why did, did God not want the gospel to get into Asia? The answer, of course, is yes. Uh, I believe Peter was probably already in Asia at that point. And so God redirects the Apostle Paul to, to Europe, as a matter of fact. And so he has this vision. He says, hey, we need to go to Macedonia to go preach the gospel. And the Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 11, Therefore, loosening from Troas, we came with straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to a Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city certain days. You say, why in the world are you telling me all these cities' names? Well, it's important to the story. Because in the city of Philippi, the Apostle Paul is going to meet a group of women praying by a river. And among those women is a woman named Lydia. And she's going to be the subject of our sermon this morning because there's some life lessons we can learn from the life of Lydia. The Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 13 that on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened. And she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And so now we, we get to the subject that we want to talk about this morning. Lydia, this, this seller of purple, this woman whose life was radically transformed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're following along in the notes, number one, we're going to talk about this chief city named Philippi because this is where that woman resided. She resided in Philippi, but she wasn't from Philippi. She was from Thyatira, but Paul ends up in this city of Philippi. His ministry, probably, his ministry team probably included himself, Silas, uh, Luke, and Timothy. And so this, this ministry missionary team travels into Europe. They land at the port. They go into the city of Philippi. This is a Roman colony, so it's not full of Jewish people per se. It's full of Gentiles. It's, it's full of just regular folks that aren't Jewish in tradition. And so I want you to understand today that, that God sends the Apostle Paul to a chief city. He sends him to a chief city. And I believe in the, in the notes you'll find a key point. Look, the smallest measure that God considers when reaching an area with the gospel of Jesus Christ is a city. That's the smallest measure in which God really looks at. He looks at a city. And if we don't reach the city, we really haven't reached anything. And I want to tell you, Philippi 
was a key city in Macedonia. As a matter of fact, it was the chief city. If you reach Philippi, you reach all the surrounding areas of Macedonia. Well, listen, we live in a key city. Amen? Listen, Huntsville, Alabama is a key city for the gospel's sake. You say, Jay, how in the world do you figure that? Well, listen, all the world comes to Huntsville, Alabama. I mean, listen, you don't even have to go on a mission trip. You just, just go across the street and you will meet people from all over the world in this city. This city, this city is a strategic city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have to have in our mind that we not just reach our community, not just reach our neighbor, but we have to have in our mind that we are called to reach this city for the gospel's sake. It's a chief city from which the gospel can get all over the world. And many of you know that. You work with people, you work on the arsenal, you work in different places where it's multicultural and multilingual, and I'm thankful that we live in such a place. It is a chief city, and we need to understand that as the church of Jesus Christ. Number two, we see Paul's conversational approach to the gospel. So when he gets into this city, he doesn't set up a, a tent or a, a trailer and start street preaching. He actually goes down to where the people are. The Bible says in verse 13 that on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and we spake unto the women which resorted thither. So Paul had a conversational approach to the gospel. He began to understand the culture of the city. He paid attention and said, hey, you know what? There's people that gather from this city customarily down by the river, and I've noticed that they do that on the Sabbath day. Let's go where the people are. And listen, we need to learn that as the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. You see, a lot of times we'll go inside a four-walled building and expect people to come to us. Hello? And, and yet God has called us to go out into the city. God has called us to understand the culture of our city and the people of our city and actually to sit down and have a conversation. And that's what the Apostle Paul and his ministry team exactly does. He, he, he became a student of the culture at Philippi. Friends, you need to become a student of the culture in Huntsville, Alabama. God's called us to go sit down and have conversations. And many times we would rather say, hey, if you'll just come to our building and look like us and, and sing like us and talk like us, we'll accept you. That's not the way the gospel works. That's not the way the Great Commission works. Listen, Paul understood that. Christ understood that. And so, and so Paul and his team, the first thing they do, the Bible says, is they go, they find the people, and the Bible says they sat down. Now, now let me just tell you something. If God hasn't done anything else the last eight weeks, God has sat us down. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that God has taken all the things that take our attention, that take our time, that take our, 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 our attention span, our, 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 our busyness? God has taken all those things away, and he's put us in a place to sit down. And the reason why is because God wants us to know that there's plenty of time available to do ministry. God wants us to know there's plenty of time available to do ministry. We just need to sit down. We need to make time and have serious spiritual conversations with the people that we know and love. And, and listen, we will never accomplish the Great Commission if we don't slow down and have the right conversations. 
We can't get too busy. Listen, Paul sat down. Listen, you know, man, you know, just like I do. If you got kids, you know. Most Christians are like our kids. They can't sit still for more than about five minutes. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I'm not talking about my kids today. I'm talking about your kids, right? Because my kids are here. I always use them as a sermon illustration. But your kids too. Whether you got two, three, four, one, it doesn't matter. We can't sit still for five minutes. And yet Paul and his team sat down with the people. Let me ask you a question, friend. Who do you need to find and sit down with and have a conversation? Uh, There's people that God's put in your life that you work with, neighbors, friends, family, and you need to clear the calendar and just sit down and talk about the things of the Lord. And so that's what Paul did. He sat down by the river. Then secondly, Paul and his team spoke. And, And listen, what they were talking about was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the, the topic of conversation was specific. It wasn't, you know, COVID-19. It wasn't conspiracy theories. It wasn't, you know, how much we miss sports. It was a very specific topic that they talked about. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember in verse 10, when, when he saw the vision, he saw the man saying, come help us from Macedonia. Verse 10 says that Paul gathered that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. The only reason we're even going to Macedonia is to preach the gospel. That's the whole point. Our lives had to become gospel central. Paul was brought to Philippi to preach the gospel. And listen, let me encourage you this morning, church. The reason you're in Huntsville, Alabama, the reason God brought you here, you say, well, my job brought me here. God brought you here. You say, well, I found a, a, a spouse here. God brought you here. Well, we relocated. We're downsizing. That's how we end up. It's a nice area. God brought you here. And he brought you here to preach the gospel to those that need to hear it. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. And so Paul's team, they began to speak the most important message that anyone could speak, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand today that the gospel is a cross-cultural ministry. Paul is a Jew. Many of his members of his, of his team were Jewish, some, some not so much, but some were. And listen, a Jewish missionary is able to reach Gentiles in a Gentile city because the gospel is cross-cultural. If you've been paying attention to our news, man, we got some really serious problems in our culture and in our nation as it relates to culture and race. We have problems. And the problem we have is that we don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our world doesn't understand it. The gospel is for every culture, for every person, for every race. And I'll also say that not only is it cross-cultural, but it is cross-gender. Here's a man and his team preaching to a group of women. You say, wow, I never really, I really paid attention to that. Listen, the gospel is for everybody, and you preach to whoever's in front of you. And, and if, you know, you don't have a man in front of you or a woman in front of you, preach to your cat. They need it anyways, because they're all going to hell. Did I say that? on? Man, we're streaming. I'm in trouble. Okay, so, you know, now that I've lost all the cat lovers, listen, the gospel is a cross-cultural ministry. It is a cross-gender ministry. Paul did everything in his power to reach everyone in his presence. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, Listen, verses 19 to 23. Listen to the extent of Paul's burden for people. He said in verse 19, Though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. 
unto the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jew. That's easy for Paul because he is a Jew. But then he says to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without the law as without the law being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. In other words, hey, the Gentiles that don't even know the law, I can become like them to reach them. I can connect with them on a personal level. Level, Verse 22, Paul says, To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. God, give us some Christians, amen, in the 21st century that are cross-cultural, cross-gender, only for the gospel's sake ministry, that we stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ that forgives us of our sin. Help us to stay central on that. And if we will, God will bring men, women, children, different cultures, different races. And by the way, that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to be. So listen, let me encourage you, ladies, in in your gift today, one of the things you got was a coffee, but you also got a gift card for, for another cup of coffee at Angels Island. Can I encourage you, instead of just using that gift card for yourself, and, and listen, I want you to use it for you, but can you use that to maybe sit down with another person and have a spiritual conversation? Can you use that to create an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation, to sit down and talk about the most important thing, the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen, Paul's manner of evangelism was conversational. And, and by the way, it works. You know, at, at 21 years old, my best friend in college just had a conversation with me. He just shared the gospel with me as a friend. And that conversation lasted on about a 40-minute drive back to his house and another 30 minutes inside his house on the couch as he opened the Bible and showed me how I could be saved from my sin. The gospel in conversation form works just fine. It works just fine. And, and Paul understood that, and we need to understand that. Number three, so we're introduced now, as, as Paul is preaching to this group of women and sharing the gospel, we're introduced to a capitalist woman. This is a, an entrepreneur. She's a, she's a businesswoman. In verse 14, the Bible says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. And so all of a sudden, amongst all these ladies that were present, there's one in particular that God calls attention to, and it's Lydia. What do we know about her? Well, the Bible says that her name is Lydia. Her name literally means travail, trouble, travail. We'll talk about that more as we learn more about her. But the Bible says that she's a seller of purple. So she's a businesswoman. She's making a living, man. She's, she's actually handing, handling uh, very expensive textiles, if you will. And, uh, and so she, she has a very successful business handling high-end merchandise. The Bible says that she's from Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor. So she's relocated for whatever reason, probably for her business. Thyatira is about 40 miles from Philippi. So she's far from home. We also know that on this Sabbath day, she's down at the river. She's praying with these other ladies. And so even though she's successful in business, even though that she's, she, she's probably handling high-end merchandise, 
we find that she also makes time for God. The Bible even says that she worships God. But she's not a believer in Christ yet. And God sent the Apostle Paul to her to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this, what I, what I know from Lydia is the same uh, that I know from, from Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. When you have the right heart and you're seeking God and the things of God, God sends exactly what you need. And, and God sent someone to give her the message of Jesus Christ. And so look in your notes, listen, the gospel is for those who are successful in business. And it's for those that aren't. But I think sometimes in our culture, we really forget that the gospel is for the doctors and the lawyers and the business owners and successful people in our world. Sometimes we're really comfortable going to a third world country and preaching the gospel to people that don't have anything but dirt under their feet. And I'm here to tell you that the gospel is for every one of us and it's for every one of them. As a matter of fact, many times in the Bible, there are people that were successful that needed and did respond to Jesus Christ. And so in our heart and mind, we have to, we have to understand that, that God reaches all men with the gospel and all women. We shouldn't be intimidated by success or stature. You know, I spent 20 years in, in the profession of physical therapy, and I, I, I met some really educated people, uh, educated neurosurgeons, educated therapists. I spent 20 years with some very intellectual people in this city, you know what? They still needed the gospel. They still needed the gospel, as smart as they are. And we have the greatest number, I think, of engineers per capita in this city of, of all the state and, and probably all the nation. And we, we have smart people in this city, and I'm thankful for that, and successful people in this city, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what they need? They need the gospel. They need the gospel of Jesus. They don't need a career. They need a conversion. They need to come to Christ. And so Paul had no problem. And listen, God opened the heart of this successful businesswoman. And, and, and God certainly is able to do that with any of us. And so what we see, number four, is a conditioned heart. Because the Bible tells us of Lydia's heart in verse 14, the last half of that verse. She had a conditioned heart. The Bible says, whose heart the Lord opened. And she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Who opened her heart? The Lord opened her heart. Paul preached and God opened her heart. And that's generally the way it works. It, we can't open anybody's heart. You know what? I can't open any of your hearts. You can't open any of my hearts. If we had 10,000 people here today, man, listen, I cannot open any person's heart to the gospel. But God can. God can. And he can do what we cannot do. And so, and so he opened her heart and she responded to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. I'm telling you, we serve a God that can open hearts, He can open ears, He can open eyes, He can open doors. Hello? Listen, listen, what we can't do in our flesh, God can do it. He can open the eyes of the blind. He can open the ears to hear spiritual truth. The Bible tells us in Luke 24, there were disciples walking back after Jesus' death and burial and, and resurrection. They're contemplating the, 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 the cross of Calvary. They don't understand. And Jesus shows up. And the Bible says he opened the scriptures to them because they needed to understand. Even Paul said that God is, and God alone opens the doors of opportunity for us to preach the gospel. And so this woman had a conditioned heart. She gave attention. She attended until what she was hearing. She heard somebody preaching, 
but she gave heed to it. She began to listen to it. She began to consider it for her own life. And God began to work a great work in her heart and life. Guys, listen, that's how it works for any of us. If we're not saved, if we'll pay attention to what God's Word says, God will open our heart. Even after we get saved, though, can I tell you, God has to open your heart to the spiritual truths of God's Word. You need to give attention, give heed to what God's Word says. And when you begin to do that, God opens your heart so that you can know Him more. And I'm thankful for that. And so listen, what we see then is that she responds to the gospel. She responds to Paul's preaching and receives Christ. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 15. We see a committed believer. We see a committed believer. In verse 15, the Bible says, when she was baptized and her household. And so she believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where were they? They were by a river. And as soon as she put her faith and trust in Christ... She was baptized. She took the first step of obedience. She believed first. She was baptized second. And and, and oh, by the way, her household was probably in attendance with her that day. And those that responded to the gospel of her household, they also were baptized. This is not a verse that says, uh, you know, salvation is by proxy. If I'm saved, automatically my household's saved. That's not what the verse is teaching. It's also not teaching uh, infant baptism, as some would use this text to teach. It's very clear that she believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then she was baptized. Remember, I said that her name means travail. Lydia means travail. There's no mention in this text if she has a husband. There's no mention in this text if she's widowed. But it does say that she had a household. Her household. And so maybe, I mean, again, we don't want to read into the scripture, but could it be that she's widowed or that she's a single mom who's working hard to provide for her home? And now the gospel has come to her and now she's taken the gospel to her home and she's been as responsible as she could be to to share with her household the message of Jesus Christ. And listen, now her household is also being baptized because they've responded. Ladies, let me encourage you today. You you don't ever need to underestimate the the power of influence that you have in your home. You have tremendous influence in your home, ladies. And your commitment to the Lord will make a difference in your home. You say, well, Jay, you don't know my husband. I don't know him, but I know the Lord. And I know that you have tremendous influence. And if you will love the Lord and submit to Him and follow Him... God can do a miracle in your home. You say, Jay, I'm a single mom. I can't handle it. Listen, I understand that. My heart goes out to you. But if you trust the Lord, you can change a household. You have tremendous influence that God gives you. When you study that phrase, her household, it takes you all the way back to Proverbs 31. And many of you here know Proverbs 31 is the story about the virtuous woman. And the Bible says that that virtuous woman in, in Proverbs 31 and verse Verse 15, it says, She riseth also while it's yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She's a responsible, committed believer. She's providing her household. Verse 21, same chapter, the Bible says, She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed 
with scarlet. And that's a tremendous picture of being covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that that cleanses us from our sin. This virtuous woman, she's not scared of the snow. She's not scared. And she makes sure that her home is covered in scarlet. And I'm telling you, listen, history proves that time and time again, wives, mothers, single moms, women in the church have stood the test of time and made a difference in their home for the cause of Jesus Christ. Listen, you have that influence. You have that influence over your family and thank God for it. Proverbs 31 and verse 27. The Bible says, She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, listen, if you're a mom, you know that there is no idleness, right? I mean, right now you're thankful to be sitting down, but you know as soon as I get done with this sermon, it's about to be go time for mama again. Well, hopefully it's Mother's Day, you can take the day off. But, but tomorrow, Monday's coming, right? You know that there is no idleness. And this, this woman, listen, she looked well to the ways of her household. And so we see in Lydia a committed believer. She took the first step of obedience, but she also provided the gospel to her household to make sure that they were saved. And so many of you have that testimony, and I'm thankful for that. And then lastly, as we close down, look, number six, we find that she becomes a compassionate host. She becomes a compassionate host. So verse 15 says this, after she receives the gospel, after she gets baptized, then in verse 15, the Bible says, she besought us, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In other words, she opened her house to these missionaries that literally she had just met. I mean, her house became a haven for missionaries, for ministry. The Bible, she didn't, she didn't just slightly suggest. The Bible says that she constrained them. She almost forced them to come to her house because she wanted to spend time with them. She wanted to fellowship with other believers. She begged, she pleaded, she kicked, she screamed. She probably pointed the finger and said, you're coming to my house and I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> Listen, real Christians desire spiritual fellowship. Real Christians desire spiritual fellowship. Hey man, man. I, you know, I can't get used to the honk, horn honking, but I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool, man. We need to wire that thing so it yells like a big amen when somebody honks the horn. That's, that's awesome. And, and listen, the opposite is also true, man. Fake Christians don't want to be around other Christians. And so here's this woman, man. She gets saved. She gets baptized. Her household gets baptized. What is the thing that she desires? Spiritual fellowship. She all of a sudden falls in love with ministry and with missionaries. And she invites them into her home. I'm telling you, man, listen, uh, today for me is an answered prayer because I don't preach to an empty room. I'm thankful to actually see faces today. I'm thankful to look at real people. Not that our worship team that listens to me every week is not real people. There's just more of you now. And I'm thankful for that because I desire spiritual fellowship. I desire spiritual fellowship. And I hope you do too, man. People, people all morning as they've been trickling in have just been excited to be here. And thankful to be here. I think God taught us in the last eight weeks. We, we really have an innate heart desire. God puts in us a, a heart desire for spiritual fellowship. 
with our church family and with the believers in Christ. God puts that in us. We see it in the life of Lydia. We know it's true in our own life. And I'll just say this. Listen, I don't want to get back to normal as far as our church is concerned. I don't want to get back to normal. Normal wasn't working. What I do want is revival. And I think that's what God wants. I think God wants revival. God wants, God's used the last eight weeks to sort out the wheat from the tares, if you will. Going forward, we may not have everybody we had come back. And, and listen, we love them. But, but moving forward, those that truly know the Lord and walking with Him, they're going to desire spiritual fellowship. They're going to want to be with the body of Christ. They want to grow together in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and do ministry together. Well, as we, as we read through that chapter, I'll, I'll spare you the details. Paul continues his ministry in Philippi. The men of the city weren't as receptive as the women. As a matter of fact, when you get a few more verses down, the successful businessmen of the city were actually using a young damsel that was possessed by a spirit of divination. And that's how they made their money. And so Paul cast out that spirit of divination out of her, and all of a sudden their finances got ruined, and instead of responding to the gospel, they throw Paul in prison. So it is interesting when you read Acts chapter 16, you see a successful businesswoman respond rightly to the gospel. You see successful businessmen reject the gospel. I find that very interesting. Paul ends up in prison while he's there. The, the famous story about the Philippian jailer takes place. That Philippian jailer receives Christ as his Lord and Savior. After God breaks them out of prison, you know where they go? Back to Lydia's house. Acts 16 and verse 40. The Bible says, they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Man, this life of Lydia was absolutely transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. She loved God. She worshiped God. The truth is, she didn't know what she worshiped. And God sent the right man with the right message that wasn't scared to reach across cultural lines, that wasn't scared to reach across gender lines to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when she came to Christ, her life was radically transformed. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, today you can be saved. You can be like Lydia. Listen, you may know God and, and think you worship God, but, but there's never been a time in your life where you've responded to Christ, to His death, burial, and resurrection for your sin. Today you can do that by faith. You can hear the message of the gospel and by faith respond. And maybe you're here and you are saved, and, and thank God for that. God has some tremendous lessons for us through the life of Lydia. We need to love the things that God loves. We need to use the influence that we have in our household. Amen? Let's use the influence God's given us, man and woman, in our household for the gospel's sake. Let's have spiritual conversations with people that need to have them. Let's make the time to sit down and to talk. And more than anything, let's just trust God that he's going to accomplish his great commission in and through us. Guys, I love you very much. Let me pray as we uh, dismiss and, uh, and then we'll be done. And, and thank you again for being here today. Let's, let's pray together as we close. Father, we do love you this morning. We thank you so much for, for the opportunity to gather. Uh, Lord, what a beautiful day. 
What a beautiful day to celebrate Mother's Day. What a beautiful day to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this privilege. And Lord, thank you for the gospel that God transcends. It transcends cultural boundaries. It it transcends racial boundaries. Father, it's for every one of us, rich, poor, weak, strong, successful, unsuccessful, man, woman, child. It It is for every one of us that we can be forgiven of our sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much for the power of the gospel. For for those that may be here that aren't saved, Father, I pray today that they would put their faith and trust in you, that right now they would ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sin. Father, for those of us that are here today that are saved, God, help us to be missional just like Lydia. Father, help us to take the influence you've given us in our home Help us to preach the gospel to our children and to live live the gospel rightly in front of them. Father, help us to have other conversations in our community. Help us to open our home to ministry, to invite ministers and missionaries in, to, to host small groups, to just invite people over that are neighbors so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much again for our time today. Thank you for this crowd. Thank you for those watching online. We love you. We pray that you get all the glory, and we ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.